listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is Scott Love, and thank you for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Have you ever felt that you want to grow, but you're afraid that you're going to feel overwhelmed? Well, we're going to talk about that today, and our guest is Michael Zapersky. He's got an impressive profile. He's the CEO of Consulting Success and is a coach to consultants. He's advised organizations like the Financial Times, Dow Jones, RBC, and even helped Panasonic launch new products into global markets. But more importantly, he's helped over 400 consultants from around the world and over 75 industries add six and seven figures to their annual revenues. Over 35,000 consultants read his weekly consulting newsletter, Michael is also the author of the Amazon bestsellers, Act Now, How Successful Consultants Thrive During Chaos and Uncertainty, The Elite Consulting Mind, and the book, Consulting Success. I know you're going to get some great ideas from our guest, Michael, today. Hi, this is Scott Love, host of the Rainmaking Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We've got our guest, Michael Zapersky, with us. And our topic today is how to grow without becoming overwhelmed. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Scott. Great to be with you. So we know that in the age of COVID, people are overwhelmed. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of change. Let's first start off by telling people about you, Michael. Tell us about your journey. What did you start at when you were young, early in your career, and how did you end up to the work that you're doing today? Sure. How far back do you want to go? (laughs) So high school, college? (laughs) Let me kind of take us even a little bit further back to provide some context. I was born in Toronto, and uh, at a young age, my parents actually transplanted my sister and I uh, to Israel. So we lived uh, in the Middle East. We grew up there and didn't really know anyone. I had to learn a completely new language. I was quite young. So this was from the age of about two to six and a half. Uh, And when we came back to North America, I didn't speak English. Uh, I didn't know anyone. And I had grown up with all different types of influences and cultures and religions and languages. And so I was then transplanted back to North America, but didn't know anyone. So I really felt like an outsider. And the way that I decided to try and fit in was to, to prove myself, you know, to show that I, I could be a part of you know, the, the pack and, uh, and kind of make a name for myself. And so I did that through sports. Mm-hmm. I got very, very involved in sports from a, a young age. And I did you know, all different kinds of sports from soccer to baseball to basketball, then to track and field. I actually was very competitive in, in rugby as well as track and field where I competed kind of at the state level. And a fun fact is that the one person that I could never beat, his name was Dylan Armstrong, and he went on to win the bronze medal in the Beijing uh, Olympics. Well, that's great. Uh, Yeah, in in that sport. (laughs) So that was my background. But around grade 11, so kind of near near my senior, but just before going into college, uh, I started getting really interested in in business. Uh, And so just as I was leaving high school to go into, into college, my cousin Sam and I, we started our first business, which was a web design development company. And we worked for, you know, kind of support all different types of clients. And a year or so after that, we started a branding uh, and design consultancy called Kanke Culture. Kanke is the Japanese word for relationships. So we we're always very focused on mm. relationships and the value of those. Wow. Uh, and about a year or so after that, I ended up actually going over to Japan, moving there and spending the next five, six years uh, opening up a branch office for our consultancy there, working with uh, some large organizations like Panasonic and Sumitomo and Omron and Dow Jones and Financial Times Japan and a whole bunch of others, helping them to get their products and, and kind of services 
marketed into English-speaking marketplaces more, more effectively. And so after I came back, after being in Japan, I decided to start another consulting business really focused on lead generation services for professional services firms. Mm-hmm. And so that was law firms and accounting firms, insurance, investment, other consulting firms. Uh, and around that time, I actually decided uh, with my cousin, Sam, you know, we had worked on multiple businesses together, uh, but we actually took a little break from working together. We were sitting at a family barbecue one summer and we said, you know, it'd be fun to do something again together, but this time we should do it online. Because we really we both enjoy the idea of travel and of you know spending time in different countries, and we then created what became Consulting Success, and that was wow. just a blog initially as a place to share our you know our stories. At that point, it was about ten years into building consulting businesses and having lots of quote unquote failures, which I just like to consider as learning experiences. Right, that's right. Um, right, but also you know we had made some some success, so we shared that, and it really took off where we built a community and people really resonated and appreciated the content. And they said to us, you know, do you have a course for consultants or to become a consultant and kind of replicate the success that you guys have had? And we didn't, but we, we established and kind of built one and developed one for the marketplace and got great feedback on that. And then people said, okay, do you have coaching? Can we work with you more closely? And we didn't, but then we ended up developing a coaching program for consultants. So today uh, I spend really, you know, all of my time aside from, from writing books and, and giving talks to different associations and groups and so forth. I I really work with our clients uh, in our coaching program. We've had about 400 people go through that over the years and we've had thousands of consultants go through our training programs. That's great. Well, I like that rich experience that you bring, Michael. You've definitely seen a lot of the world. You've definitely seen a lot of business and you understand how people that are in sophisticated markets think in terms of being sold to and how consultants, those that are in a client development capacity can, can really improve their skills in selling work. Let me ask you this, thinking in terms of people becoming overwhelmed with all the things that we have going on right now, what do you think are some of the more common challenges people are facing when trying to grow their businesses, especially right now in the age of COVID? Yeah, I think the, the hands down, the biggest one is that people are trying to do too much themselves. And that, that's a big, big issue, right? Where you are essentially spending a lot, a lot of your time on things that aren't going to get you the result that you want, or you're spending a lot of time on things that are not the highest and best use you know, of your time. And so I, I see this over and over with you know, kind of independent or, or solo firms all the way up to, to much larger practices where people are just trying to take on too much themselves and they're spending a lot of time on the wrong things. And, right. and that is what causes overwhelm. How do you think they can determine where those areas are? If somebody is a professional service provider and they're overwhelmed, how do you think they can kind of pinpoint those areas where they need to delegate? Yeah, we always like to look at you know, the Pareto principle, the kind of the 80-20 uh, you know, law and, and rule, which essentially says that 80% of your, your outcomes will come from 20% of your inputs, which if you flip that around, what it really means is that the majority of people spend the majority of their time on things that produce very little outcome, result, value, benefit. Uh, and so doing an analysis of that just really... Uh, you know, what we suggest to our clients is just write down everything that you're doing in a daily basis, weekly basis, and, and look at that and identify and kind of analyze within all those different activities, what is truly high value and what is low value. And the things that are high value where you are, you know, you're bringing unique perspectives or, you know, just strategies and, and ultimately the yield and, and the value coming from that, the, the output and outcome is significantly high. Uh, that's what you should be doing more of. And things that are not producing high yield or, or much value and can be done by somebody else should be delegated to, to other people. So what do you think? Do you think they should 
as they go through their day, just write down their tasks or maybe print out a calendar page as their day progresses, kind of write down what they're doing? What are, what are some tactical ideas that you've suggested to people related to that? Yeah, I mean, the, the ideal would be to, to write down everything that you do on a daily basis and track that for a week or two and, and then do a, an analysis on that. But I also recognize that for some people, that's just not going to happen, right? And so for those where that might be a little bit challenging, even just carving out half an hour and looking at your calendar, you know, open up your Google calendar or your paper calendar or whatever it is that you're using and just go back day by day and ask yourself, what did I do that day? What did I do that day? You know, there are also apps that you can use online uh, or services that will track your activity, which websites you go to, what programs you're using on your computer and how much time you've been spending on those. Those can also be helpful. But if you're spending a lot of time away from your computer, then those won't track those things. But looking at your your time and how you're spending it, even just spending half an hour to actually do a bit of an analysis can be really, really uh, empowering and can give you much clearer insight into what changes you need to be making. Because so often people spend time on things that they shouldn't, right? They're, they're right. sending a lot of emails themselves or they're booking travel themselves or they're doing back and forth with someone about calendar and, and meetings and, and scheduling or they're formatting you know, a PowerPoint uh, presentation or Word document or they're doing research or you know, they're, they're doing things that very easily they could get somebody else, whether right. it's in their own firm or outside, to do for them. And the more that you do that, where you delegate, the more time you then have to, number one, just enjoy life, but also to create more value because you're now able to spend more of your time on the things that are actually producing greater value. Right. So you've consulted to consultants and professional services providers in this area before. Is that correct? For years. That's correct. And what are some of the success stories that you've seen? What are the big changes? If somebody's taken this one idea and they've looked at what they do and what's high value, low value and all that, what are some success stories you've seen? Yeah. We've had a client that's gone from 400,000 to 2 million in 18 months. We've had another that's gone from you know, leaving the corporate world and becoming a consultant and getting their income back to the level that it was at their kind of corporate executive salary uh, within about six weeks. You know, the, the results that you can see are actually pretty profound. But I think even more important is that you end up feeling a lot more alive. You enjoy right. your work a lot more, right? What creates overwhelm, what gets people bogged down, what creates anxiety and stress is doing things that either you don't really like to do or that you're, do, you're spending so much time on these lower value tasks. And you know, some of these things, when I say low value, it doesn't mean that they're not important. It just means they're not the source of where you, as the owner or a key person, you know, the kind of the rainmaker, you know, where you should be spending your time. And so if you're spending too much time on things that are lower value, what it does is it keeps you away from spending more time on the things that create value. And the things that create value are ultimately where you start seeing results. Right. And so if you're holding yourself back, you're not then seeing the results that you'd like to see, which means that your level of confidence will also be held back and then you're analyzing the results that you're not seeing, thinking that what you're doing or that you're just not successful, where really when you can make that shift, all of a sudden you're able to spend more time on the things that truly do matter, that move the needle. And then you start seeing greater results, more progress, more momentum, more traction, which leads to, to more success. And then that increases your level of confidence, which allows you to go back out and do more and more of that. Right. So it kind of snowballs in a positive sort of way. Definitely. So tell me then, the person that went from 400,000 to 2 million in 18 months, what were the action steps that he or she did? Take me through that kind of as a case study. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the biggest one, and it sounds extremely simple, but often the most simple things are, are the most powerful. So in their case, you know, we got very clear around 
what they needed to do on a weekly basis mm-hmm. to, to move their business forward. And they right. identified what activity, what single activity would move the needle for them more than anything else. Right. And that activity was to have conversations. In their case, specifically to hit their targets, they needed to have at least four conversations every week with ideal clients. Right. Uh, and so what they did is they wrote out on, on several sticky notes in their office, around their house and so forth, the number four. And so they would know that by the end of that week, like if Thursday rolled around and they had not made the four phone calls and they hadn't had the four conversations, like maybe they were only at one or two, that they would just essentially have to make sure that by the end of the next day, that they were getting all four done. And just that one simple action where they were dedicating their time and being getting very focused on where they could have the greatest you know, kind of impact uh, and see the, the best outcome and, and output is what ultimately allowed them to have then more conversations, which for anyone professional services, that's what matters the most. I mean, you right. can do focus on marketing, you can focus on authority building, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a conversation with a buyer, you don't get a client. And right. so I see too often people that spend a lot of time on all these other things that they could be doing different types of tactics, and they're shying away from spending time on having conversations. So in this one client's example, you know, his name's Doug. Doug was able to get very focused on having four conversations every single week, which led to then more clients saying yes, which led to a you know, significant increase in, in revenue and building his team. That's great. I always say that when you focus on the inputs more than the outputs, you're eventually going to get the outputs. When you take your eyes off of the fact that you're trying to win the game and you focus on left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, the immediate actions in front of you, that's going to lead to the victory on the field. What do you think are what keeps a professional from wanting to really find out what that one thing is like you did with your client, with Doug, four conversations? What do you think those impediments are? What are those blockers that keep people from really finding those core vital factors, those core vital steps they need to take each week? There's a few different ones. One is just lack of knowledge, right? You don't know what you don't know. So often business owners or people, you know, executives and organizations are just so focused on on doing the work, they're you know they're busy delivering. They're in their their bubble, right? right? And they can't see that that outside perspective. And so that's where the value of working with someone or studying or whatever, where you can pull yourself outside of your day to day and actually just look at what you're doing from a different perspective. And oftentimes that then just helps you to see what you're currently not seeing, right? So that would be number one is is just learning what is actually important and what can move the needle for you. Right. The second that often comes up though is that people. Uh, are looking at, for example, delegating. So if we take Doug's example, right, in order for him to get very focused on having those conversations, it also means that he needs to shift certain things he would have been doing before, right, that would have taken his time away from having those conversations and doing the follow-up required to have those conversations. So what a lot of people look at is they go, well, no, I, I can you know, do these things myself. I don't want to you know, take these, these activities that I'm currently doing. And if I have to go hire someone to do them and so on and so forth, not only does that cost me money, but it takes time and I could probably just do it faster myself. And so they're looking at the act of delegation. They look at the act of shifting things off of their plate as, as a cost and an expense I see. Um, and, as, right. and as a nuisance. But really, those are investments, right? Really, those are things that actually create a lot more value. Right. Let me ask you this. When you say overwhelm, how to grow without overwhelm, the word overwhelm, in that instance, it's a noun. What would you say is a, is a good working definition for that? Well, I think when people just feel you know, that there's some anxiety, they feel like they're spending a lot of time working on the business or working in the business, but they're not getting the results that they want. And so to them, it feels like they're spinning their wheels. 
It feels like they're, you know, they're exhausted. They're trying a whole bunch of stuff. They're really busy. They might even be making great money and feeling like things are going really well, but there's a lack of, of joy. There's a lack of happiness, mm. a lack of clarity, and a lack of, of confidence. And so when you experience those symptoms, most often, right, it's connected to, to that feeling of, of overwhelm. And the way to get past that is number one, to get clear on what are the things that you don't need to be doing anymore? What are the things that, again, are low value and also the things you don't enjoy doing, which then allows you to spend more of your time, not only on the higher value creating activities in the business, but the things that you also enjoy and that give you more more energy. And when you do things that you enjoy more and give you more energy, then you end up doing a lot more of those. And yeah, especially right. when those are the, the things that create value, then that's you know a combination, kind of the right ingredients for success. So let's say that somebody listening to this, they believe everything that you're saying. They don't doubt it. They know that they need to take the time to go through their day, find out what their high value items are, low value items, really parse those apart, focus on the high value items, delegate the low value to somebody else. But they're tied on cash or they're just conservative and they just don't want to expend any more than they already are right now, how can those people pull this off? Yeah. So the first is kind of what I was alluding to earlier, right? It's a mindset shift. A lot of people look at this and go, well, I don't have the money. I'm going to wait until you know revenue increases another 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 per month or whatever it might be. Uh, but they're always waiting for that next time. They're waiting for the perfect time in their mind to, to pull the trigger on that or, or to make that shift. And that mindset is, is a bit of a scarcity mindset, right? It's looking at, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to train someone and it takes my time to do so. And they're looking at it short term or, yeah, I don't want to spend the money to bring someone on or to, to outsource this or whatever. Like, you know, I want to keep more, I can just do it faster myself. I can keep more of that money within the firm or within my own pocket. The problem with that is when you view something as a cost or an expense, you're not excited to do it, but really those things are costing you a lot more. So I'll give you a very specific example. Let's say that you're charging $300 an hour. And again, I'm not a big fan of hourly fees, but let's just say that you're charging by the hour. You at least figure out that your, your hourly value to your firm is mm-hmm. $300. And let's say that right now you're spending some of your time every day, every week uh, on lower value tasks that you could really get someone to do a great job at. And they could probably do it just as good as you, if not better, for $50 an hour, right? right. You can find amazing talent for $50 an hour. So uh, you know the scarcity mindset a person would look at that and go, well, I don't want to spend $50 an hour. That's $50 an hour X times X number of hours per day, per week, whatever, per month. And that's a lot of money coming out of my business. Uh, and so then they don't do that. The problem with that is they're actually not looking at it correctly because in this instant, you're losing $250 an hour every hour that you spend doing that activity because your value is 300 and the cost to get someone else to do it is 50. So when you, right. when you actually shift your mindset around that, it frees you up because you realize that it's not about actually it costing you money. It's right now you're losing money by you doing this yourself. And the moment that you flip that switch and you then get someone else to help you with those things. And again, it can be a contractor. It can be you know, a service like Upwork or Fiverr. It mm-hmm. can be a part-time person. It can be a full-time person. It doesn't really matter what, what that is, but you bring in the right person to help you or even the right service or technology or automation or whatever to free you up. Well, now you're actually creating an extra $250 an hour for every hour that you would have spent doing that yourself. And so not only does that free you up from those lower value tasks, but it, and those are the tasks that most often people actually don't enjoy doing that mo- the most, but they kind of feel like they need to. But in addition, when you do that, now you have a lot more time to spend on the things that drive the business, the real value drivers. And that's where you'll start to create a lot more uh, progress and uh, or see a lot more progress 
a lot more momentum and success in your business. I like that. The value drivers, change your perspective, focus on that. What are some people that you've seen have been hired? Who are the types of folks that, let's say professional service providers listening to this and they know they need to go hire somebody. You mentioned some of the other websites where you can do that. What are some other vehicles to help professionals find maybe some part-time help in some of these areas? A great one is just like your your own database, right? So if you have a list of of people, if people have been opting in to get information from your website, then you know let people know that you're hiring. Let them know what you're looking for help with. You know your your firm or your team is growing. Uh, the people that already are familiar with your brand can often be the best uh, people to come on and, and help you because they're already excited about your brand and, and are familiar with it. But you can also use websites like Craigslist if you're looking for for local talent, which we've done with with great success. And then sites, as I mentioned, like Upwork or Fiverr. There's a lot of these other places to find freelancers or contractors around the world, depending on what you're looking for. And they can all be great. The, the most important thing is that you need, I would suggest that you be very specific in what you're looking for. Don't go off and just try and hire someone that can take on you know, everything. Give them one specific task as a test first, see how they perform. You want to make sure that the communication level, the, you know, the culture, the understanding, just that, that they're going to actually do what they say they're going to do and that you feel good about them. And then as you feel good about that, you can then expand their role to give them more and more to the point where you know, they're able to take on a lot off of your plate. Would an example be helpful, Scott? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That's great. So yeah, I mean, take right now like podcasts, right? You have a podcast. I have a podcast. Podcasts are, are growing. And one thing that I see a lot of people doing with podcasts is they try and do everything themselves. So they, you know, as the owner of the firm or one of the key people, they'll spend all of their time trying to go out and get guests themselves. They'll try and do all the scheduling themselves. They'll try and do the editing, the publishing, you know, themselves. All those things take time. And I remember uh, when I first launched our podcast many years ago, that's what we were doing. We were doing kind of everything ourselves. Uh, and I was spending a lot of time. And after a while, I looked at it and I said, you know, we're not getting the result that we want from this. And it's taking a lot of time. Let's kind of put this on pause. And our priorities at that time were different within the business. business and I'm going back many years. But in the last kind of two, three years, I said, you know what? I really miss doing the podcast. And uh, I love talking to people and, and sharing ideas. And just, I think it's very valuable for our community. But I said, if we're going to bring it back, I just want to jump on and record the podcast. I don't want to do everything else that is connected to it. I just want to be able to you know, record the interview, have a great conversation, upload the file, and then I'm done. Uh, and right. so we went, then went out and built the infrastructure to make mm-hmm. that happen from finding guests to editing, to graphics, to publishing, to transcripts. I mean, everything that you can imagine is now done within our team. And some of that is internal team, some of that is external providers and, and people. But that is an example of where a lot of time could get sucked. And I see this still with some people who spend a lot of time doing that themselves, but that's not where the greatest value is. Like my greatest value would not be to learn how to edit uh, an audio file that's or right. how to upload the audio file and you know to different places and how to create the graphics. So that's an example where by doing that, by having different people and the right infrastructure, I'm now freed up to spend a lot more time developing content for you know, our brand and for clients and creating new trainings and working with clients. So that's kind of one way to look at it. And that can be applied to almost any situation. That's where if people just break down where they're currently spending their time, it'll be abundantly clear where they're spending time that is actually not high value, high yield producing activities. Well, those are great ideas, Michael. Tell us about your podcast and we'll put the link to that on the show notes. And I wanted to hear about some of the other offerings you have as well. But first, tell us about your podcast. What's the topic and uh, what type of content do you have on that? Yeah. So uh, it's called the Consulting Success Podcast. Our brand is Consulting Success. So we just kept it all all very consistent. And each week we interview uh, a successful consultant 
and these are different consultants and you know all around the world in different industries, we really just highlight uh, them and their journeys and have them share their lessons learned from oh, getting wow. started to, to building uh, up a successful consulting business. Some are independent consultants, others are large firm owners. And we've had some really amazing guests, you know, from people that you've likely not heard of to people that you've you've definitely heard of. But they're all people who have a great story to tell and and share a lot of insights and strategies and tactics of not only what got them to where they are today, but what they're doing right now to continue growing and how they're looking at, at life and at business and the balance of those things to continue to perform at high levels. And so yeah, we've been running that now for a while. We get about twenty seven thousand downloads per month That's with fantastic. that podcast. Yeah, That's and it great. continues to to grow and we get good feedback on it. That's great, Michael. And tell us about some of the other offerings that you have for those listening today. What are some uh, like kind of the menu item of services you provide that those listening can take advantage of and hire you? And what are some of the other free things that you mentioned to me earlier that you'd like to share? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Scott. So we have two ways that we work with with clients um, in addition to all the free resources, the podcast videos, articles, and so forth that we have out there. and, And of course, the books as well on Amazon and so forth. But one is called our Momentum Program. And that is for uh, new consultants, so people who are either just you know relatively new in consulting, or someone who's uh, in corporate an employee and wants to transition to start their own successful consulting business. And so yeah, we've had thousands of people go through that program. It's a proven system, step by step, guides you through of exactly what to do on a daily basis to really move and transition from you know taking your expertise to running a successful consulting business. And then we have our Clarity Coaching Program, uh, and that's where we work personally to really customize. A roadmap and a and a plan, and then uh, guide and and advise and support our clients through uh, that process, which is, again is all customized to their unique situation. Really helping them to take their consulting business uh, to the next level. And you can find more information about all that at, at consultingsuccess.com. And then, as I mentioned to you just before you hit record, you know during COVID, we saw a lot of people in in consulting and professional services not really know what to do. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of challenges. Uh, going on right now and, and continue to, you know, even at this time of recording, even though it's been many months since this all kind of kicked off. And so I decided that I, I wanted to to share my thoughts and perspectives of what people should be doing right now, because sure. even though this is a very challenging time and not even to, to touch on all the health and, you know, people losing loved ones, which is incredibly challenging. But from a business perspective, you can either choose to just kind of hope and, and wait or you can take this time to really plant seeds and to create a lot of value to allow, like really allow you to, to thrive you know, going forward. And so uh, I interviewed several thought leaders in the space that I know, people like Perry Marshall and Rita McGrath and Martin Lindstrom and Jill Conrath and, and some others about what they're doing in their businesses right now, how, how they're reacting, what actions are, are they taking, and you know, how they look at this landscape. And the feedback was, was really interesting. There was a lot of consistency amongst all these successful people. So I put all that into a book called Act Now, How Successful Consultants Thrive During Chaos and Uncertainty. And as I mentioned to you, Scott, I mean, it is for sale on, on Amazon and Audible and paperback and Kindle formats, but we're, we're giving the book away for free to, to people really because that was the whole purpose of, of putting this out there at the beginning just to that's help great. people. Um, and great. so that's, yeah, the, people can get that by going to consultingsuccess.com forward slash act now. That's great. And like I said, we'll put that on the show notes. If you're driving, you don't have to write that down. <laughs> Just come back to the site where you heard the podcast and get that link. We'll make sure it's there. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. Let's kind of end it. What are three action steps that people can take to really start working towards some of the ideas that you shared with us? If we could synthesize that into three action steps, what would those be? 
Uh, well, the first one would be to, to take some time to write up a bit of an analysis of where you're currently spending all of your time, right? You know, even if it's 30 minutes uh, on, on Friday afternoon or on, the, on Sunday evening, just find some quiet time, sit down with a cup of tea or coffee or whatever it is that, that you like, and just really track and think about where you're spending your time. That'll help you to start making some, some better decisions. Then the next step would be to identify those. Essentially, the way I like to do this is you have columns. So let's say you've made a bullet list or a list of all the different items where you're spending your time, then create a few columns to the right of that. Uh, the first column would be the areas that just you know you really need to be involved in, where you truly, if you're honest with yourself, it's like this is your unique power, your unique ability, and and you can't really be replaced there. So keep those, mark those down. But then everything else where that are low value, the next step would then be to start figuring out, uh, you know, what are the groupings of these things? Is this a bunch of stuff that's connected to social media? Is this a bunch of stuff that's connected to marketing? Is this a bunch bunch of stuff that's connected to to content or to research? And then you can create some of these groupings, or we kind of call like buckets. And uh, once you have clarity around what those buckets are, then you can go out and you can start to find and kind of source the right talent that can help you with those. And that might be from an online service or it might be from within your network, but start to find those people that can take some of that stuff off of your plate. And then a final just suggestion from a business uh, development perspective, I would highly recommend that people get clear about you know what, it, what is your goal? Uh, if you run, we have an exercise called the magic number exercise where you can kind of break down uh, starting off, you know, based on how much revenue you want to achieve and profit and how many conversations do you need to have? How many proposals uh, does that kind of equate to? And then how many conversations you, you should have? So if you work backwards, right, kind of reverse engineer it, you can then arrive at that number. So in Doug's case, the number was four conversations a week. And I would really encourage people to get clear on what is that number for you to, to reach your goals and then start making sure that every single week you have the right system in place to not only do outreach and follow up, so that allowing you to get in front of more and more of your ideal clients to create more conversations. It can be as simple as picking up the phone, sending an email. But once you have that target, just focus on that target and you'll start seeing a significant improvement in your businesses is my, uh, my observation. Well, this is fantastic, Michael. Thank you for your excellent content. Like I mentioned, we'll put the show notes on the, on the links to the podcast. And I'm sure we'll have you back here on again on our show talking about other things. Say thanks so much for your time today, Michael. Hey, Scott, thank you. And uh, congratulations on, on your podcast and all the great value that you're putting out there in the world. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com. Thank you.